National media continues to exaggerate and promote misleading negative headlines designed to diminish the rule of law and those whose job it is to enforce it. Remember, the only people who want to defund the police and dismantle these agencies are the criminals. And don't forget to thank a cop. Now, let's start the show. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Law Matters. In the studio this morning, we have Border Patrol. But before we talk to them, we're going to talk to Hal Kempfer, the CEO of Global Risk Intelligence Planning. I always know. Think it out. <laughs> you need to change that. It's called GRIP. So, it's Hal. GRIP. Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing? As, as, I, as, as we say, GRIP is my handle. So, uh, <laughs> <Okay>. anyway. <laughs> so, tell us what's well, going do- on. Well, I'm doing good. Uh, happy Saturday, Sherry. And uh, uh, there's a lot going on. As, as the, I mean, yesterday was just an incredibly busy news day. Uh, but uh, let me just start with the travel around the uh, around the world, I guess. Uh, the uh, International Criminal Court, uh, Court of Justice in the U.N., uh, had kind of a mixed thing on this. Uh, you know, South Africa had charged uh, uh, Israel with genocide in Gaza. They came back with an interim decision, which did not call for a ceasefire. That was one of the big concerns that they would cause, call for an immediate ceasefire. Did not do that. And actually had an opinion that was kind of interesting, which basically says obey the law, the International Treaty Against Genocide, which, you know, Israel says we are, uh, get aid to uh, uh, the Palestinians. Uh, that's a significant thing, and that goes into the next thing I'm going to talk about. But, uh, uh, of course, Israel will say they are, preserve evidence, things like that. So it was it was kind of an interesting thing. It was basically said, you know, told told Israel, and that's the headline today, is don't, don't, don't commit genocide. Uh, Israel, of course, says they're not committing genocide, uh, and uh, and certainly by any normal yardstick, they 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 do not meet that that legal threshold, if you will. But but we'll see what the final decision is. But we may not know the final decision on this for years. The other thing too, which was very interesting, actually coincided yesterday at the same time. The uh, UN agency that's responsible for, for for Palestinian for relief for the Palestinians in Gaza called UNRWA. Well, uh, the UN, the great revelation was that an, at least, uh, you know, a lot of uh, UNRWA employees were actually working with Hamas. They were actually working with Hamas on the October 7th terrorist attacks. Saw that. This was huge. Yeah. And a, a dozen were immediately dismissed. There's a big UN investigation going on. Secretary Guterres, you know, expressed great shock and dismay and said they're going to get to the bottom of this, but uh, the U.S., Britain, Canada, Australia, number of nations have immediately suspended all funding of UNRWA because of this, because, you know, this is what, and Israel was part of providing evidence on this. This is what they've been saying is, look, this, these UN, this UN agency is not a neutral, is, is not completely neutral. In fact, in one case, a hostage, an Israeli hostage is actually being held in an UNRWA home. Um, so, that's a UN facility. It's well. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. So, uh, uh, major fighting in Khan Yunus in the south. Uh, Israel has kind of has basically encircled the entire area. Uh, huge fighting down there. A uh, lot of uh, issues getting people out of there. Then you go further south into the uh, uh, Red Sea area, Bab el Mandab, uh, Sea of Aden. A uh, a uh, carrier 
uh, a tanker, I should say, was hit with a missile, a Houthi missile, caught fire. They appeared to have uh, put the fire out. It's going to a safe harbor. We launched a series of strike missions uh, to take out a, a launcher, also to hit a port that's held by the Houthis uh, in response to that. The other big thing this week that I should mention is that Turkey's parliament finally approved um, the uh, Sweden to be a NATO member. That's huge. Oh, that is uh, huge. Yeah. So, so it finally, so Turkey's done. Hungary's the only one holdout. And as of this morning, uh, Orban, the head of, Tur- of of Hungary, had had issued an invitation as this was going on to sit to the prime minister of Sweden to say, "Hey, come on down, let's meet." And the Prime Minister of Sweden's response said, yeah, let's, that's a great idea. Let's meet in Brussels at NATO headquarters. <laughs> <laughs> so so right now the discussion is Orban and the, and the Swedish Prime Minister, they're going to meet at, at, at their headquarters. And uh, it's going to take a little bit just because uh, Hungary's parliament's out till February 15th. So it's, you know, unless they call an emergency session, um, they aren't going to be back in. But it looks like Sweden is well on the track to, to move along. And then over in Ukraine, uh, a lot of things going on, but probably the biggest story is this jet, this huge IL-76 transport plane that, that crashed just north of the Ukrainian border in the Bogorod Oblast. And uh, it was interesting. Russia immediately said, oh, this jet was shot down by the Ukrainians. And by the way, it had 65 Ukrainian prisoners of war that were going to be exchanged in a prisoner exchange. And the Ukrainians shot down a jet with their own prisoners on board. Okay, well, there's no proof. There's no proof at all that there were any prisoners on board, um, and and there was a lot of evidence to indicate that it may have been carrying S three hundred, four hundred missiles. Uh, to include when the plane was falling out of the sky, there was big things falling out of the plane, consistent with missiles. But this has gone back. This is really interesting. Uh, Ukraine has not claimed responsibility for shooting down the jet. Uh, Russia claims the prisoners were there, but but there is, it's really, there, no one knows it's for a mystery. sure what exactly happened. It is a mystery. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, that's, that's yeah. wow. So you've just taken yeah. us around the world, and I appreciate it. <laughs> you bet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you have a great weekend, Helen. Thanks for keeping us posted on what's happening currently. Okay. Well, thanks, Jerry. Have a great weekend. Have a great week. Thank you. You too. Okay, in the studio we have Border Patrol. Like I said, we have Benjamin Salcedo. And you said he's a lineman. So I think cook when I, I hear that. I You know, so I expect breakfast. A lineman. I, that's a new one. <laughs> Isn't that what you called him? I said he was a line agent. <laughs> a line agent, same thing. <laughs> okay. And we have John who, you know, I want you both to tell us what your, your position is. Manel? Correct. Okay. So, you're not a cook. I what are you? Cook. No. Ben, talk to us. So, I'm a Border Patrol agent, and as uh, John Manel said, uh, a line agent, which is basically the, the Border Patrol agents that are out there in the field patrolling the border. That's what we refer to as a, as a patrol agent, line agent, Border Patrol agent. So even if you're like at one of those stops on the highway, you're still considered a line person? If you're referring to like the checkpoints that right. we patrol, yes, that, that's a line agent. That's okay. part of the, the field operations, uh, checkpoints being one of them. So how long have you been doing this? Uh, going on 17 years now. 
Do you like it? I love it. I love it. The, the, <laughs> the patrol has been good to me, and I try to uh, reciprocate that in return with uh, you know with with uh, the work I do. Yeah, you guys have a, a, an incredible job out there. And I did go through the Citizens Academy, and if anybody out there listening hasn't been through the Border Patrol Citizens Academy, you need to sign up. It, it'll give you a whole different perspective of what's going on and how they work and what's, what your part in all this is. So, John, tell us, how long have you been doing what you're doing, and why are you doing it? Uh, yeah, so my name is John Minnell. I'm the CBP, Customs and Border Protection, Senior Spokesperson for the State of Arizona for all of the components within Customs and Border Protection. That includes the United States Border Patrol, the Office of Field Operations at the Ports of Entry, and Air and Marine Operations, and the Office of Trade. And my job is to talk about what's happening out on the border. I've been with... Uh, CBP and INS before that since September of 97 and the I uh, started in the United States Border Patrol and uh, moved uh, around the country working both borders and uh, ended my Border Patrol career in Washington DC before I came to the Office of Public Affairs. You work both borders, so you worked up on the Canadian border. Correct. I was in Haver Sector, which is in Montana, and Spokane Sector, which is Washington, Idaho, and part of Montana. Beautiful country up there. What made you come down here? 45 degrees below zero. For, <laughs> you know, for, I thought I'd throw that out there. For, or correction, 45 days below zero nonstop was one of the reasons I left Montana. Wow. But, you know, just to uh, further my career and, and keep moving around and learn new things and do new jobs. And do new jobs. So where all of you have been posted? I, I'm stationed in the Douglas, Arizona uh, Border Patrol Station, which is the You southeast. came up here from Douglas? Well, uh, that's, where I'm, that's my duty station where I'm assigned permanently. I am currently detailed here in Tucson at the sector headquarters oh. in the public affairs office. So you're down the street. I'm down the street. I almost right. felt bad for you. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> well, that's, that's part of the appeal to, to uh, the Border Patrol and, and all the different facets that we have, uh, that we can move around within the agency doing different types of, uh, of jobs and de- what we call details that gives us different experience uh, uh, along or aside from the patrol operations out there in the field. Okay. You're in the Tucson sector. It's Tucson called Tucson. Geographically, what does that cover? So the Tucson sector, obviously Tucson, a lot of people think it's just the city of Tucson. But the Tucson sector covers almost all of Arizona. We're talking 90,000 square miles. Um, Well, that'll keep you busy. (laughs) Right. Well, on the border, it's 262 linear miles of border that we patrol that we're responsible for. Uh, so to give you an idea, um, where the Pima County line meets the Yuma County line mm-hmm. is our western border. That's where the western uh, border the, of our area of operations, as we as we call them, ends, and Yuma takes over. So it basically turns out to be a western sliver of Arizona that Yuma takes uh, is in charge of, whereas the rest of Arizona is is part of Tucson sector. So who gets Yuma? Yuma sector. Yuma That's se- just, but it's just a little bit even. Well, well, again, just like Tucson sector is more than just the city. It's almost all of Arizona. Yuma sector takes up a portion, a western sliver of Arizona into a bigger area that doesn't just, it's not just the city of Yuma. It, it, uh, it's, it's a very, uh, very large area of operations, just like Tucson sector is more than just the city of Tucson. It's almost all of Arizona. Are they as busy as you are? 
No. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> so but again, that 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 changes throughout. You they, know, yeah, it depends on what's happening at the right, time. Right, and we've always we've always seen that it, it's gonna the ebbs and flows. It will be busy when they're not as much. Then the the traffic will shift. Do you ever send, just just tell people go to Yuma? <laughs> <laughs> and so I mentioned the the western boundary. While uh, uh, to the east, uh, up a, we abut up against the New Mexico state line. As far as our that's where uh, our eastern boundary is. Uh, it stops right, and of course the border itself. Where all of you been stationed? It's seventeen years. You you haven't just been here for seventeen years. It's all been in Tucson sector. Really? All, I've always been a, a Douglas Border Patrol station agent. So you know this area well. I do. And aside from the, the 17 years in, I've done about so far over six years of details here at, sec- at the sector headquarter level doing different things. I've worked in the, uh, the prosecution office was one of my first details here at sector. That's the, the prosecution side of those that we are apprehending in the field if they're uh, if we're going to be charging them with uh, additional charges if they have a criminal history that we can add uh, additional charges to the prosecution office is where that happens and so as a field agent you go to hardly ever seen a courtroom whereas in the prosecution office I was there on a weekly basis testifying before the grand jury for indictment of the cases that I was assigned so it was excellent experience in that regard and you get to see the back half of the law enforcement effort right uh, apart from the apprehension because once you apprehend somebody usually in they're done processing you don't see that person again yeah so the back half of that the back end of that is at the prosecution side and uh, the their sentencing all the way through you know, will vary depending upon their criminal history. Uh, now, that, are these people coming through illegally, trying to come yes. through that have criminal histories? Right. And so if, if we're charging them and we're prosecuting them, uh, they usually have an extensive criminal history that we're along with their illegal entry is usually going to be an illegal re-entry, which will have more consequences just consequences just on the uh the legal entry part of it and if they have any prior criminal history that's gonna dictate their sentencing as far as how, how long they will be sentenced for that we can tack on to those uh, charges so if they go to jail do they go to the county jail or is it federal jail or state jail? where do they go well the, I, I can tell you the entire process in terms of once we present them for their initial hearing, mm-hmm. like the the next day within the the next day that they've been apprehended, uh, they'll have their initial appearance. They will um, at federal court at the federal courthouse here in downtown Tucson. That's where we will actually escort them there, and for their initial hearing before the judge, and uh, the indictment will take place uh, within about thirty days of their initial charging. So from that point on, whether they plead out is one factor or if they actually want to go all the way to trial, uh, that's going to depend upon, uh, they usually wait for indictment. Once that's official, then they'll make that determination. So so after somebody's gone through their first hearing, generally they are remanded to the custody of the U.S. Marshal Service. And okay. while they're going Thanks. through their initial hearings, things like that, they'll most likely be in the county jail, but they're in Marshal's custody. After they're sentenced, they will then go to the um, U.S. Department of Corrections. Do they have a separate section of the jail for these people, or is it just everybody goes into jail? That I don't know. I, yeah. I refer you to the the, the jail respective pr- jail that they would be held at. <laughs> okay, 
All right. So what's the biggest challenge you have doing your job? Well, the challenges have always been there. Uh, the challenges vary, whether it's, you know, the the surgeries that you're seeing currently right now uh, that's put us in a, a posture of, uh, of processing them quickly, efficiently. Um, and those, those challenges have always been present, whether they, they differ as to what exactly the challenge is. Um, so currently... That's the current climate right now of what we're seeing, of what uh, your listeners are no doubt seeing on the news, hearing. And that's why we like to take advantage of these opportunities, because we know that they're bombarded in the news about what's going on. And it can be spin in any way that the, the media and wants to spin it. That's why we started this show. <laughs> so when we are able to take advantage of these opportunities so that you can hear it directly from us, that, that's something that uh, it's important, I'm sure, to your listeners. The best day on the job. What was your best day on the job where you went home and went, wow? You know what? Um, I mentioned earlier, I, I love this job. Yeah. What I got in for the appeal to it, working outside, uh, in the mount- hiking in the mountains, and all of our vehicles are, are four by fours, you know, so, you know, it, it, this is the, you're, if you're going to pay me to do this, I'm, I'm, sign me up. And, and, I, and that's why I've been in from the very beginning. And so doing what we do is what I would call a good day at the office, because this is what we got in for. Yeah. And so being able to uh, protect America's borders, be to be a, a part of that, uh, that's something prior to this job. I, I hadn't, any involvement in before so to be uh to be part of that it's something that i have a lot of pride in and i'm sure i I speak for the the men and women in the border patrol this is a job that we have a lot of pride in and uh and so we're happy to to do so i had um a couple of weeks ago maybe it was last week i had dea on i had um the special agent in charge sherry oz amazing woman and she said that they were hiring lateral moves. What would a lateral move look like? Do you does Border Patrol hire lateral moves? We have uh, several different types of, of moves. Some a lateral would just be you know, one agent moving from one station to a federal another. Agent, Sometimes we have uh, in a cash incentive programs that will you know pay the move for the agent I'll apply. They're, they're all they're, there's several different kinds there's um a relocation opportunities that uh were our resume and experience based so they want to pick a certain type of agent to fill a spot in a, particular a certain station yeah so we do movements like that details are another part of that some and we have permanent relocations that are offered all throughout the country for border patrol agents so so if it's a lateral move, though, it has to be a federal agent to a federal agency? Well, I'm speaking specifically within the within the agency. Okay. So within Border Patrol, I'm not leaving the agency to go somewhere else. Yeah. So what she was probably referring to is within the criminal investigator community, mm-hmm. a lot of times that um, criminal investigators in the federal government will transfer amongst other agencies. Okay. So you could see a Homeland Security agent or a vet Department of Veterans Affairs agent or somebody going, you know, they would hire those special agents to go then work for DEA. Okay. So you don't do that, but you are hiring. Yes, we are aggressively hiring. Uh, and on that note, we have just increased uh, the hiring incentives to $30,000 for, for new hires. And the way that that's broken up is $10,000 upon uh, upon hiring. 
upon uh, completing the academy, another $10,000 after three years in the service. And for Tucson sector specifically, if um, you are assigned to the AHO station, that'll be an additional $10,000 to total up to $30,000 upon uh, for joining the Border Patrol. That's on top of your salary. The AHO station, where's that? That's in the uh, southwest corner of the state. That's the furthest west uh, city that we have in our in our uh, Tucson sector. It's a, way, it's a remote area location, and uh, that that is part of the that is the main reason why the, the that additional ten thousand dollars for that station <laughs> because the, the normal amenities are very limited if at all, there in Ajo. So we take that into consideration. And so anyone being assigned there uh, will get an additional $10,000. So how long is training and where is it? Uh, the training, it's, it, it fluctuates. When I came in, it was about four months, four and a half months. Uh, I think now it's uh, 20 weeks uh, that the agents are going through training. Uh, that, that's varied over time, but it's usually right now it's about uh, the, the 20 weeks of training. And they teach you how to speak Spanish, or do you... They, they have a, uh, a Spanish program, and uh, so you'll, you'll test, that's one of the things that you're tested on. You have to uh, be proficient, according to the Border Patrol, as when you come out of there. It's something that can keep you from earning the position at the academy. Even though you've been hired on, you could, if uh, you don't pass the Spanish portion, you'll be kept from, from graduating. So... Do they teach you French, too? I mean, you know, hello, we've got two borders. They, they do not. Spanish is the, the only other language that uh, is presented there at the academy. So if you get hired on and you want to continue going to college and get a degree or two, do you pay for it? Yeah, there are uh, tuition assistance programs that the Border Patrol offers. For it, like any kind of degree, or is it a specific degree? It's it's for any degree. You just have to be attending an accredited school. Okay, so U of A, you can go to U of A and get paying your tuition. Okay, so give us some statistics about the Tucson sector and how wonderful we're doing. Well, mentioned earlier, we're we're quite busy Uh, this fiscal year, which for us starts October first. Nationally, we're over 600,000 apprehensions. I'm, I'm just talking Border Patrol specifically, but nation, uh, nationally. And for Tucson sector, we make up about a third of that wow. alone. We are making up about a third of those apprehensions for the entire nationwide Border Patrol. Do you get a uniform allowance? We do get a uniform allowance. So it, I'm thinking that's a lot of shoe leather. All right, right. Uh, from our boots to our hats to jacket for winter wear. Uh, everything that we wear has to be government issued. So they provide the allowance for us uh, for any type of different positions. Like for a horse patrol, we have cowboy hats, we have cowboy boots. Uh, for the, the uniform that you see right now, I'm in, I'm in rough duty uniform. Everything that I'm wearing has been provided and uh, the allowance has paid for that. Okay, horse patrol. Do you have to bring your own horse? Uh, that used to be. <laughs> but at the very beginning of the Border Patrol, you had to provide your own, your own horse. horse. Right. We're going on, uh, this year will be 100 years of the Border Patrol that we're uh, very proud of. We'll be celebrating that uh, in the summer. And uh, so, but initially coming in, you had to provide your own horse. Uh, now we do <laughs> we, we do provide <laughs> the horses, the training for such. And so it's it's a great unit. Uh, we, as, uh, as a patrol agent, uh we uh, lean on the horse patrol, particularly in Douglas, where you know where I'm stationed. 
that is a tremendous asset uh and the horses uh that, that they have to be especially there. trained oh absolutely the uh both the horse and the, the agent and the horse, you know, they they go through that just like with the canine uh, unit. They you have to have establish that that rapport or that relationship <laughs> with the horse. Uh, some don't get along with each other, so you know all of that's taken into consideration. Uh, so when when that team is out there helping you, uh, any agent in the field is always appreciative when they have the horse patrol out there and helping us out. Do you have canines? We have canines. Uh, not only the detection type canines we have started a support canine program recently and that's, that's been good. a tremendous help uh um, it for our for our sector and the the canine the support canine is in your station is that sector headquarters but she uh the, the handler and the canine will go through all throughout sector whoever is needing it whoever is requesting it not just to the agents but to their families as well it's it's available to Oh, that's awesome. Yes, it is. It's a tr- tremendous program. That's uh, We've already seen the, the benefits of it, uh, agents needing help, um, and, and their families. When it's extended to their families, because uh, a lot of times you just see the agent, and we know what the agent does in, in their day's work, but uh, along with that, the, the, what the family goes through. If the agent's having a hard time at work or had a hard day at work, bringing that home, you know, the the families are, are experiencing that as well. So to offer that type of support through the agency is a tremendous, a tremendous benefit to the agent and their families. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think the average citizen really realizes some of the things you guys see, and it's not pretty. Right. You, know, you have some great days out there where you're really helping people and, like, one of the people at the training said, you know, we have to run after our patients you know, because they're trying to help these people that are injured. And it's just amazing what you do. And I appreciate you. So thank and you. For on that note, uh, one thing that in regards to the families is that we offer like a spousal academy. Because the agent will go through their the Border Patrol Academy, but we offer the spousal academy to, to introduce the spouse to what their husband or wife is going to be going through on a daily basis. So it gives them that, that insight. You mentioned the Citizens Academy. That insight was very valuable because yes. without it, you, you just kind of depend on what you hear in the news or what the you The guys watch. running around on the green clothes. But experiencing it yourself, <laughs> it, it provides that insight. And so to offer that to the spouses, to, to give them uh, an idea what to expect, um, and they appreciate that as well. Yeah, they drove us out to what's a place called Sassabi? Is it? Oh, right. They drove us out there, and there was a man all by himself on top of a hill in this machine, looking at everything that was going on around him. And I'm like, "Oh my God, aren't you afraid of snakes?" <laughs> so, you know, there's things out here. So, okay, when you bring people in, whether they're coming through the as a, a legal entry or they're coming through illegally what is the process tell us what you do well first if they're coming in legally through a port of entry mm-hmm. that's that's customs uh, they are part of uh, cbp customs and border protection but those are the men in blue that you if you've entered or exited Dip. the country you'll go through the, the blue uniform customs officers we patrol between the ports of entry so uh what my fellow agent likes to say if you run into us then you've done it wrong <laughs> So wrong. There uh, you yeah, go. Right. So <laughs> once once uh, someone uh, we encounter someone in the in the field, 
when we take them into custody after making uh, an illegal entry, uh, we will start the the process. And, and what when I mean what I uh, when I say processing, what I mean is we will uh, take biometric and biographic information, fingerprints, photographs of them. Uh, we're checking for criminal history. Those, DNA. Though, and, and another thing, when, when we are processing them, DNA, we are taking DNA swabs of, of uh, people awesome. we have. That. So everything's being recorded. Everything, everyone that we are encountering and we're taking into custody will have all that information. So we know who we're dealing with in terms of if they have any type of uh, criminal history that's going to be given to us through their fingerprints. Uh, a lot of them come with pr- providing aliases. If they've have, you know, we've I've seen as many as thirty aliases oh for, for one person. So we we never just take it for you know their their word as far as what their name is. Their fingerprints oh, are going to tell me. us uh, who who they are, what they've done here. You know, if they've had any type of criminal history or prior removals in uh, from our custody. Uh, so that's what we do upon processing them. Now we're just the tip of the spear, as my my fellow agent likes to say. Uh, because once we're done processing them, whatever pathway they're going to be going on, they're out of it's our custody. Whether that's going to go, they're going to go through ICE for uh, to continue their removal proceedings, or a non-governmental entity that's going to take over them, that's going to continue their their pathway if they're claiming asylum. But once we're done with them, like we won't we won't see them anymore. That's it. So that's once our our um, you never our get a thank you note complete, or anything from these people. I, not, not, as, not as of yet. I, Nothing? I have yet, no. <laughs> you don't call. You don't write. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, I have yet to get that. Okay. We want to take a quick break. I lost track of time. We want to take a quick break, and we'll be back in a few. On February 3rd at 10 a.m., Law Matters Live Show and Pima Federal Credit Union are hosting a town hall presentation with the Pima County Attorney Prosecutors and Investigators with Q&A afterwards. This is not a political rally. It is an educational opportunity held on private property located at 6860 North Oracle Road. Please register on lawmatters1030.org event page because sitting is limited. I'll be there. I hope to see you there as well. To report suspected human trafficking, please call the National Human Trafficking Resource Center at 1-888-373-7888 or text HELP or INFO to 233-733. To learn more about Homeland Security investigations and our efforts to combat human trafficking, please visit our website at www.ice.gov or check out the DHS Blue Campaign at www.dhs.gov slash blue campaign. For more information on the Southern Arizona Anti-Trafficking Unified Response Network, please visit us at www.saturn.org or find us on Facebook. Law Matters Live Show works hard at keeping you informed on current issues from all law enforcement agencies, including any changes in both the tax and mortgage loan rules. I host the show as a volunteer. My real job is working for a mortgage broker with over 20 resources in residential, commercial, jumbo, as well as a reverse mortgage company whose new rule is offering tax-free money to those 55 and older, qualifying for up to $4 million. If you want to learn more, call me after the show at 520-310-9900. 911, what are you reporting? 
Um, I'd like to report a break-in into my car. I came out this morning and my laptop bag is gone and so my books are gone. Are any of the windows broken or anything like that? Nothing's broken. Did you leave your vehicle unlocked or did you lock it before you went inside? I thought I locked it, but I, I don't think I did. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and uh, get an officer out to you as soon as I can. And... This doesn't have to be you. Remember to lock it or lose it. This has been a message from the Marana Police Department. Okay, thanks for staying with us. We're just sitting here gabbing amongst ourselves. So, Ben, tell me about more about your career and in what you've done. The latter that you you know you said you do different duties. Tell me some of these duties. Right. So I mentioned uh, the prosecution office. That was one of my first details there. Uh, I would have liked that. What's that? I would have liked that. It, See, it was the- tremendous experience. That I, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Uh, after the prosecution uh, office, I went to what is now called the Air Coordination Center, and that's where we dispatch all of the air assets that we utilize in support of our air operations. Air assets? You're talking airplanes? Helicopters, yes, <laughs> uh, that, that we use to help us uh, perform our mission out there in the field. So... When I'm talking about horse patrol being a tremendous asset for the agents in the field, air support is another one of those. And that was one of the things at the Citizens Academy. They took us over there to look at your helicopter. One of them I wouldn't get in. Oh, okay. But the, <laughs> the other one was pretty cool. <laughs> right. One of them, I think, was like maybe a relic. I don't know. It, it, don't get in it. <laughs> but you also said Marine. You said Marine. Correct. Air Marine has boats. Um on you know blue water boats off the pacific coast and the gulf and on the atlantic okay and on the great lakes so if i can expand on that there are three agencies that are within cbp customs and border protection border patrol is one of them the office of field operations the the men in blue at the ports of entry customs Mm -hmm. that's the that's our sister agency and then what mr manal just mentioned uh, air and marine office so those three entities make up cbp and it's a, we're about 60,000 employees throughout the the, the agency, CBP-wide. Uh, OFO, the Office of Field Operations, makes up, has the lion's share of, the, of those uh, employees. About um, uh, two-thirds of, of the man of that 60,000 is with uh, the Office of Field Operations. Border Patrol, we're just over 19,000 nationally. And then the AMO, the Air and Marine Office, is uh, over 1,000 employees there. So how many pilots do you have here in Tucson? How many how many helicopters or planes? Do you have fixed wing? We have, we use fixed wing there um along with like the the air a star uh, helicopters, the CBP helicopters. Um as far as how many pilots, I don't have a number for you, pilots or helicopters that we use. So when you're I saw a rescue was it yesterday? Yesterday on the news or the day before a rescue with um Four Star was Saving some people, hanging out of a helicopter, rescuing people. All right. I, Just I, hats off to them. I, I love that you mentioned Borstar because they are seldom mentioned. You never hear about them in the and news. They're amazing. They are an elite unit of, of Border Patrol agents that Borstar stands for, you know, Search, Trauma, and Rescue. Alpha. So these are highly trained um, agents that can, do, can perform those extractions that require a, a Impressive amount of skill and training that goes into it to perform those extractions. Um, a lot of them are EMTs, mm-hmm. um, and so the the type of work that they do, where their their primary mission is saving lives, nobody ever talks about that. 
That that is such a tremendous unit of, of elite agents who their goal is to save lives out there, and and so I love that you mentioned it because they're not mentioned enough in in my opinion. They're and amazing. So very few people even know about them. They probably your listeners probably heard that that term for the first time today, and so I want to make sure that uh, that that they know who these who these agents are, and they are just a, a tremendous asset. If you go to the Citizens Academy that they offer. We had a whole day of training with them, and it it was just so amazing. And some of the stuff they taught us, I still remember. Oh, that's I mean, awesome. like, yeah, it was like, oh, I didn't know that, and yeah, it could you know, come and, in handy. And that's something that 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 you're mentioning it as as one being through the Citizens Academy, how valuable it is, and so something that I want to take back with me to to sector to get that program going you know, beyond uh, Nogales Station because we used to, it used to be, you know, sector-wide. And so... That Nogales, was down the street. Right. So um, we definitely now hearing back from, from the citizens. We always knew it was, a, it was a great program, but to hear directly from someone who's been through it, that's valuable information and it's valuable training that, that you've received. Let me know if I can help you. I will help you. Thank you very much. We appreciate that. <laughs> yes. Let's talk about the youth program because I, I tell people all the time there's explorer programs out there. They're, you know, summer's coming. Your kids have nothing to do. Hey, sign them up because they're going to learn something. They're going to learn they love it or they hate it, but they're going to learn something. Right. And tell us about your program. Yeah, so that's that's the explorer program, and it's uh, available to the, to the youth in our communities uh, that they can take advantage of when we give them insight to to the border patrol and our operations just as the citizens academy did for those going through it so these uh these programs explorer program that we offer gives uh these young teenagers uh an opportunity to see our operations will they'll be in uniform they will uh do training exercises mimicking what you know, agents in the field are doing. No, wait a minute. Do they have to go through like the training you go through where you have to do push ups and jumping jacks and well, all that happy uh, stuff? To what extent <laughs> that they're doing that, those kind of things, they're not going to an academy like, like we are sent to. Okay. Uh, but they, again, they're, they're going through training exercises. They're, they're doing operational type uh, scenarios, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. uh, with training, training style um, rubber weapons. Mm-hmm. So just to give them uh, some idea of what it's like, because we'll put them through types of uh, different types of scenarios, just to give them that type of training. And it's a great community outreach from our agency that we're offering this program, but also these uh, these explorer programs are involved in the community, doing fundraisers, reaching out. I was going to say this isn't like the Citizens Academy is is like once once a day or once a week for so many weeks. Right. The explorer program is. Once you're in it, you're in it. Right, and you can stay up until you can apply to the Border Patrol. So if you come in as a young teenager, you're going to have great insight uh, to our operation because you're and out mentors, there with mentors, great right. mentors. Right, and a lot of them, you know, they, we have, there's a wall there in Nogales where they show some of their uh, Explorer graduates who've become agents or have become uh, military personnel, awarded military personnel because awesome. you know if they're willing to dedicate themselves to this program it's going to set you on a pathway either to continue your a career in law enforcement or in military supporting the country in that regard so we look at this program as not only a community outreach but we're with a lot of pride in the uh, the the trainees that we have put out that have continued their career in border patrol or in military and let me 
what was I thinking when you said that age? How old they, do they have to be? Or how young can they be? Uh, I, I want to say it's 13. Uh, I'll have to, I can get back to you on that just to confirm what the age is. Okay. The, like the minimum, but of course they can stay in up until they can apply for the, the Border Patrol. But you know what? If you're living in some of these areas like we're talking about, there are remote areas. Right. You know, you want your kid involved in something that's going to keep them busy on a good side of the law, not right. and out, getting out of in trouble. trouble. For sure, because a lot of, in the Border Patrol, a lot of our stations are on the border, in the border towns, yeah. small small towns. So I commend uh, these young uh, young teenagers who are choosing for themselves to stay out of trouble because idle hands, you know, they, they can, uh, they they can find trouble. themselves up. In, in those situations. So not only staying out of trouble, but choosing to be part of this program, choosing to already at a young age to determine their pathway in terms of their career and their, their near future as they become adults. So having this program available for our kids, we all know the dangers out there. Yeah. And so to have to be part of an agency who is not, not only reaching out to our community, but to our kids, offering these programs to keep them out of trouble and safe, but also, like you mentioned, this side of the law, helping us perform our mission later on in their life and their and their adult life as it's approaching. And uh, I'm, I'm proud of that, to be a part of that. And I'm sure your listeners who know that this, who weren't aware of this program that's available for their kids would appreciate that as well, that, that they can start this young and if they're interested in a career in law enforcement. Yeah, get involved in something that's really worthwhile. You know, like I said, you're going to love it or hate it, but you're going to learn something. And what the heck, why not? Why not? Okay, I want to get back to your career because you've been everywhere and you've done all this stuff. Tell me, you know, you were, you were in the... with the court system. By the prosecution office. What did you do after that? That was when I went to the... Um, the Air Coordination Center, where we were talking about, uh, where we dispatch our air assets in support of our mission. It's like a big control room. And so we, we monitor all of the, the air assets that we, if a, a station is calling us or directly messaging us, hey, we need help. Can you send us you know any type of air support? We're dispatching them. We are uh, monitoring where they're at, who's responding. And so we're kind of like as, as a real-time liaison because we're monitoring field work, the, the agents who are requesting the help on the ground for air support, and we'll see the the air asset respond we're communicating them between the two the air support asset and the agents on the ground uh complete whatever so you're like the 911 center and speaking of 911 there is a 911 <laughs> function in that in that control room where the migrants are calling in because they're in distress they uh, still have those blue buttons those blue boxes out there Yes, okay. those are the you're referring to the rescue beacons here within right. sector. We have uh, 35 rescue beacons that are strategically placed in uh, in areas where uh, they could be utilized for to save someone's life. And what those rescue beacons do at the very top at night, there's a blue light that that blinks, and that can be seen up to 10 miles yeah, away. Saw them. In the daytime, they have a reflector that's rotating, so in the daytime, it, it, you can still see it just as you can at night. It's just re- it's a, a reflector in the daytime. And uh, migrants that uh, who see that they know uh, that they can go up to it. They can. There's language on the on the placard there, and it's in three languages: English, Spanish, and then the the French, y- the Yaki language. <laughs> okay. And and we we do come across those who are who don't know how to read, and so there's picture diagrams 
for those people who can follow those picture diagrams if they cannot read to know press this button that once that is done it activates uh it notifies the that dispatch center i was talking about and it gives us the gps location as to where they're at and we can send an agent right to where they're at and help them so, so once you push the button, don't leave because don't leave. <laughs> don't, and, and those and that's actually uh, portrayed there in those pictures. Push the button, sit there and wait, and an agent, someone will come and and help you. And those rescue rescue beacons are, are are notated as to their GPS location, so we know exactly where they're at, what beacon went off, and and some of them are even fixed with cameras. We could communicate with them. Some have phones that we can communicate directly to them. So. That 911 function is in the Air Coordination Center. So we always have an agent assigned to that phone for those to handle those calls. And we triage as far as the priority of someone who is in distress. I've taken those phone calls personally. Help save someone's life out there who is scared, lost. They're out of food and water. They're in the middle of the desert. These stories, of course, again, just like with Borstar, they don't get mentioned. Yeah. And this is a daily thing that we that the Tucson sector does every single day, every single shift. There is a, an agent manning those phones, that phone to receive those calls to help uh, anyone in distress who's calling us for help. Do you know the ranchers along the border? Uh, more in Douglas, in, in my my duty station. Um, as far as here in like in Tucson, no, I don't know personally uh, the ranchers. Yeah, I know, because Cochise County works very closely with the ranchers along the border. So I was just wondering if, you know, you guys made friends with the ranchers. So, Well, it's certainly a relationship that we need. Um, a relationship that we need because we patrol in their their property. Their, and, yeah, and any rancher, right. as, as they should be, are very prideful of the land that they own. And so we need to uh, make sure that our, that relationship is um, is kept and, good. And, and nurtured because we, we need access to their lands. We were going to be patrolling on their on their property. And so we, we do have a ranch liaison program with agents who are specifically uh, working directly with the ranchers, talking with them. We have uh, community meetings like, at the station with all the ranchers that uh, in like in, in Douglas, specifically all the ranchers who are in the area. We have those meetings, like town hall meetings within the patrol. Now, what's cons- going on with you? Concerns, How can right? we help? Absolutely. And that's that's face-to-face. That's face-to-face yeah. with these ranchers, with our command staff, with our ranch liaison personnel. Who are, what, what can we do better? Are we helping? Is there anything else we can do? Those relationships are vital to our mission. Okay. Talk to the listeners. What can they do to help you do your job better? I mentioned earlier how they're bombarded with with Border Patrol news in the media. And any outlet will spin that any way they want to. Know this, that the men and women of the Border Patrol, they are working very hard. You've all seen the surges that we're dealing with here in the Tucson sector. These men and women are working very hard around the clock, day and night. We're out there in those temperatures working in the, the rugged terrain, and in in not only the terrain, but in the in the elements. Uh, as far as it, here, it gets really hot in the summertime, and it gets really cold here in the desert as well. Yeah, we're we're out there working, and so uh, I, I've been on on the side of the, of the phone calls that are are um, telling me telling us that we are complicit in in what's going on, that we're being bribed to allow what's going on. So I want to take this opportunity to refute that 
and say that the, these men and women of the United States Border Patrol are working uh, and doing everything that they can to, to support the mission, to complete the mission, to protect America's borders. That's, and, and know that, that we're, we're not sitting back on the job. If you've seen the numbers that are coming across, and I mentioned them over 200,000 yeah. for, just for Tucson sector from October 1st, that, that, that's the time frame that we're talking about through January 5th. Okay, think about that. Let that sink in. Right. October to January. Right. You guys are hustling. Right. And, and so we're processing all of these people that we have come into contact with already. And, and to move that amount of people, the way that we are doing it, everyone just sees the numbers, but they're not, they're, what they're not talking about, hey, how are, is Border Patrol able to process all hundreds of thousands of people in a, such a short time frame that I commend the, the men and women of the, of the Border Patrol because we are working like a machine to process these people efficiently, humanitarian. Uh, aspect to that to get them out of out of the elements we put up a structure there in this and the on the san miguel area that will keep them protected providing shelter uh from from the elements while until we can process them out of the field so this is a, a tremendous job that the men and women are doing out there in the field and i think one of the things that people don't realize is once they're processed like you said you never see them again right they you, they go off to some other portion of the process and that's out of your hands right and another thing too uh, uh we never have been legislators we are law enforcement we're, we're oh, come on right no <laughs> so we're, we're there to do the job and enforce the laws that are on the books already yeah so uh, i've been in covering four different administrations i came in under uh, president bush into uh president obama to uh president trump and now president biden so we're not we're not here to change the law or change your mind we're just here to do our job that uh, uh enforcing the laws that are already on the books and if and, people want the law changed that's up to them right the, you know the department can't change it the citizens have to change it you have to talk to your representatives and, and make something happen right so you mentioned what can your listeners do to help that that's, that's a direct way their vote it's so, so so important in terms of you know policy because we're not going to we don't write the laws that's right we never have had that ability and we're not in that we won't be in that position and that's that's one of the things who i get so frustrated because that's your vote that's your voice if you're not voting your voice isn't heard and at the last election there was one third of the population that was entitled to vote voted Everybody else stayed home, and it couldn't have been easier. They mailed the ballot, fill it out, mail it back. Couldn't have been easier. Didn't even have to leave. <laughs> it was crazy. Right. So, like, we're we're apolitical. You know, we're not so a, a political entity. So, you know, regardless of who's in office or what administration, you know, they're the ones who are going to be dictating or you know writing policy and and, and laws that we're going to enforce, regardless of who's in office. Right. We're that we're, we're there to enforce those laws, whatever they may be. Yeah, you do what they, the people tell you to do, and that's the way it is. So if you don't like what's happening, it's up to you, the listener, to make that change. But you guys are doing an amazing job. I, I'm just really impressed. I want to know a little bit about you, John. You're sitting here very quiet. I want to hear about your background. How long have you been in in um, 
So I started in the United States Border Patrol in September of 1997, and I was uh, assigned to the El Paso station uh, towards the end of Operation Hold the Line. Uh, I was there for about five and a half years, and one of the things, two things that I did was I we were having a lot of deaths in the uh, the canals in El Paso, uh-huh. and I helped stand up the uh, the El Paso Sector Swift Water Rescue Program because uh, I had been a firefighter before I joined the Border Patrol. Uh, and I also did prosecutions uh, like Ben here. And, you know, you asked what his best day in the patrol was. Uh, my best day was related to prosecutions in that I got a case file and there was a lot of stuff missing in it. And I started contacting other agencies and I got more information about the guy. And I'm not going to tell you what he did, but it was nasty. And because of that, he spent a lot more time in, in jail. Uh, So then from there, I went up to Haver, Montana, where uh, I was assigned to the FBI as part of the uh, Safe Trails Task Force um, and worked with the JTTF. JTTF is what? Joint Terrorism Task Force. Okay. Um, And then uh, I was also the asset forfeiture officer. Um, So when people broke the law, we would either issue penalties or, you know, if... Take their stuff. Take their vehicle if they, uh, (laughs) you know, if if they were using it to to do bad things. Um, And then from there, I was in uh, Spokane, Washington, where I did a lot of technology-based work, as well as running the asset forfeiture and the the prosecutions unit. Um, And then I was in Washington, D.C. as an assistant chief, uh, and I was uh, doing technology. I was working in the operations division, and I uh, was the liaison to Homeland Security Investigations and finished up my Border Patrol career as the liaison to the Office of Public Affairs. And, you know, when it was time to, to hang up the badge and the gun, I I stayed in the fight and I stayed with the agency. And now I, I just talk about it all day long. <laughs> <laughs> I get paid to talk about it. <laughs> that's Pretty awesome. much. That's, 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 that's my life. That's a great career, though. Think about it. Think of all and, the places. And that is, and what you've done. Oh, and that is one of the things that is so wonderful about the U.S. Border Patrol, and I can't, I can't emphasize this enough. There is so many things that you can do in your career in the Border Patrol that you're never going to get anywhere else in the federal government. And you you're know? not, not going to be bored. Right, that's, that's for sure. sure. Yeah, I Every mean, day is different. You can patrol, you can get into supervision, you can get into investigative work, intelligence work. Yeah, it's the the amount of things you can do are only limited by yourself. Your, yeah, by yourself. By yourself. So, words of wisdom. What are you going to tell people, our listeners? Words of wisdom. Words of wisdom. One thing I can clarify, because one of the questions I, I was getting a lot was, why don't we just turn them away at the border? Right. And and just to clarify that, because it's a, it's a big concern because of what's being shown on the news, is that we don't have the authority to grant or deny asylum. That's very, that's very key. Yes. That's why we can't just turn them away. If they are claiming asylum, our job by law is to uh, send them on that pathway. The asylum officer and their asylum hearing will make that determination. But because we can't adjudicate that, on the border, we have to send them on that pathway. That's Very our cool. job by law. I'm glad you clarified that right. because I, I get asked that all the and time. Why don't they do this? Right. Oh. I'm sure. And I know it's a concern of your listeners because yeah. that's one of the main things I, of the phone calls I receive in the office is that 
Yeah, very cool. Okay, I want to thank you both for coming on. Thank you for everything you do. I really appreciate you. I have no idea how much I appreciate you. Until next week, shop local and stay safe.